Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim, and welcome to the Backstage Show. Hello, Glenn here with a quick apology for how long it's taken to get this episode to air. I've been working on getting my other podcasts up and running, and been busy with work and other things. But, without further ado, because there's already been more than enough ado, I give you our latest episode. This week on The Backstage Show, we managed to get Kevin and Christine to stick around just a little bit longer. And they're not sick of us yet. That's incredible. <laughs> it is. I think that's a new record, isn't it? <laughs> well, you didn't actually ask if we were or not. You just said you're not allowed to leave. So. <laughs> oh. It's also yeah. pandemic time, so we don't have much else going on. Yeah. What yeah. else is going on? You weren't supposed Seriously. to just say the not allowed to leave part over the air. <laughs> Sorry. We've had well, guests on for three episodes before, though, so this is not unprecedented. Have we? Yes, we have. Have we, though? We have. I'm blinking twice oh. to let everyone know that <laughs> I'm okay. They can't <laughs> see not, it. It's not a video thing. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> We'll add the blinking sound effect in post. (laughs) 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 So we have discussed uh, several things over the last few episodes with the Robinsons. We've discussed producing. We've discussed treasurering. We've discussed (laughs) working on kids' shows. Yes. Uh, So we just figured it might be nice to just chat and discuss other theater things. So... I have worked with with both Kevin and Christine several times. I've directed Christine. I've been directed by Christine. I've directed Kevin. I've worked on... We've been in shows. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've been in shows together. I've been in shows with both of you. Mm -hmm. Have I been in a show with both of you at the same time? No, because Kevin and I have never been in a show together. Wow. Yeah. And from what you said a couple episodes ago, it sounds like that was intentional. (laughs) <laughs> well, the closest we've ever gotten was me stage managing when Glenn and you were in Alice in Wonderland. Yes. I think that's what it's called. Although Kevin and I have been in a one act together. That's true. Two one acts together. Two. Dr. Horrible and oh, yes. that yes. Uh, wasp. wasp. Yeah, Steve Martin one act. Ah. Mm-hmm. You did Dr. Horrible? We did. So we are yeah. one of the one of the only and we were the f- we were the first theater to do Dr. Horrible's mm. sing-along vlog. Wow. The directors at the time, Candace Upton and Fran Donato, worked directly with Joss Whedon's production company to get the rights wow. to do Dr. Mm-hmm. Horrible's sing-along vlog that. as a one-act play. Interesting. Um, maybe 12 years ago sure. or something. Okay. Not that long. It was more recent than that. It was like the year after that, that it had aired. Yes. I was going to oh, say, well, I, was I don't about remember as old when it, it aired. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, it was about the year after that it had aired. What, yeah. what were um, your roles? I was Penny. Yep. She was Felicia Day's character. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, let's see, I was the back of the, of the bus carrying the... The van. The whatever, what? The van. Yeah, the van that, that's carrying the stuff that, uh, that, that Dr. Horrible tries to steal. Okay. I was one of the fans. Okay. Just basically, yeah. I, I was ensemble, yeah. Just a lot of a lot of different characters, right? Um, and 
it was a fun show regardless it uh, yes. it came out really nice and i remember watching that i don't remember what else i did i did something else that year Back so what were we talking about before while well, you were talking about uh working together oh yes, yes. yeah that was the one so yeah so other than i mean and i've worked with jim on several occasions directing jim and jim working on my crew i don't think there's ever been any crossover have you guys met jim jim yeah we met before. kevin christine kevin christine jim i think through candace <laughs> actually any... we haven't worked yeah, on anything yeah. together i don't think uh, no. unless no. you have worked on shows that glenn has worked on that i also was somehow involved with i, I believe so. i worked i may have I'm... worked on something that you did sound for Jim, that you did like the sound creation for or something like, uh, that. like was, sound effects maybe true west maybe or no nope. it would have to or be maybe more i just remember seeing your name in the credits for true west that's possible too yeah jim wrote the original music that we played in yeah. true west scene changes try what, what have you worked on more recently with me jim because it would have to be more recent than that uh um, no, regardless yeah I, <laughs> frankenstein frankenstein was after that different theater would have to be barley sheaf uh yeah i don't think i've i don't think i've done anything for any barley sheaf production since then that i remember yeah i am very much sort of well barley sheaf is my home mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> uh, so I have did, you guys was, done stuff at other theaters at all i guess i question. tried i tried <laughs> but then coronavirus uh, uh took my took took my uh took my production from me <laughs> I was I was going to be the the dad in Matilda, which is okay. an awesome part, and it's, it's got some at, really funny at mm -hmm. Steel River. song, yeah, at Steel River, and then the pandemic came along and shut it all down. Uh, that's so. Tim Minchin, right, Matilda? Uh, I don't think Tim mentioned it at all to me, but which Tim? <laughs> Tim. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, Tim, Tim yeah. Minchin. Oh, I I actually do not know. Yeah. I believe I he's involved with that. And he it is, is a very funny hilarious. show. Tim Minchin is hilarious. You should look up his, uh, look up his music. Other oh, than sure. that, because you'll be surprised the fact that he wrote a kid's show is <laughs> not at all. Because that kind I of is surprising. Say, yeah, I mean, most of the lyrics you could not repeat on this show, at least. <laughs> yeah, Barley Sheep's our home. We actually moved in the fall of 2019. Mm-hmm. For many reasons, but one of which was to be closer to Barley Sheaf. We used to be a half hour away. Now we're five minutes away. Makes a big difference. Yeah. I yeah, used to be five really. minutes away. Now I'm a half an hour. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, Not you cool. know, it, there was tons Not of other quite, reasons yeah. for moving, but mm -hmm. that was a big one right. to, to reason to do. Yeah. That's been difficult for me as well, because I, I do feel that Barley Sheaf is my home theater as well. And, you know, I used to live five minutes away and then I moved and I was like maybe 10, 15 minutes away. And then when we were making this move with my family, my wife was working in Philly. So it was kind of difficult to try to find some place that was still close enough to Barley Sheaf, but close enough for her to work. And now she's working in Reading. So now we're trying to figure out again, like, is that possible to still be close enough there? But it's hard because there's also a lot of other theaters out there and I've worked right. at a lot of other yeah. theaters and I've had like, I've considered other theaters my home in the past because I've been doing this for, Oh God, 20, 25 years now I've been doing theater, I guess almost not quite 22. Wow. So you just, started when you were like three. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. 
I, I just realized, Glenn, it's 20 years ago this year that we met. Ah. That was when the auditions for Death Defying Acts happened. It was 20 years ago today. Happy so, anniversary. Well, it's not until like September, but actually wow. it was 9-11, the exact day. Wow. That's the day we met. Is that the auditions day? That was when 9/11? I went to the auditions, yeah. Wow. Oh, that's crazy. That's wild, yeah. But yeah. that was not the... I think that was the second audition day, I want to say. Might have been, yeah. It was... Yeah. Well, it was a Tuesday, obviously, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my home theater has primarily, I guess, been Village Players of Hatborough for the most part, although I have worked at other places. I've done a couple things at Playcrafters and Skip Back. I've done some, been involved with some shows at the Barn Playhouse in Jeffersonville. That's primarily, I've, in the, it's been a while, but obviously uh, uh, Forge Theater I've auditioned for, and that's kind of where I started out. Yeah, me too. Um, that that was originally my home theater, and when Jim auditioned, that was like the first show I directed there, and I started off acting for a few years before then, and then that was my home theater for quite a while, and then I was kind of moving around. I did like King of Prussia players, I did the Barn, I did uh, yeah, I was also Marple, Marple Newtown players, which is now Spotlight Theater, and I, yeah, I was all over the place. And then Barley Sheaf wasn't didn't cast me for a while. When I would audition there and I wouldn't get cast. How dare they? (laughs) (laughs) But then, and then Forge started like kind of pushing back on me trying to direct, like they didn't want me to direct. And then they started casting me less. And then Barley Sheaf started casting me more. So, Mm. and then they were very happy to have me as a director. And I got really more into directing, working at Barley Sheaf and met a lot of good people. So that kind of stuck around and I liked. I like the people there, and I like directing there. I kind of you, you get used to directing around the pole. Yeah, pole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But right. I don't know. Do you think it pays to have a home theater? Do you think? I mean, or does it depend on what you're after with theater? Whether you're kind of more interested in the social and friend making aspect, or if you're just yeah. totally interested in if you only want to do theater, then does it even pay to have a home theater? Yeah, it probably depends on what your drive is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you, are, are you one of those people with bucket list roles and bucket list plays and things like that? So you're just going to look up and say, hey, where is, where is Little Shop being performed in my area? And then you just go do Little Shop there or go audition there or whatever. Right. Um, I think it's good, though, to have that a theater has a base because who else is going to run it? Like, you do need mm-hmm. people who are going to stick around and be on the board and help with projects because without those people, the theater will never survive. We know that from experience. We touched upon that, uh, I think, in an episode probably maybe a season or two ago. I forget exactly when it was, but there's kind of... uh, There seem to be sort of two camps, I guess. There are people who might be chasing after roles or chasing after an opportunity to direct a certain show that they've always wanted to do or whatever the case may be, and those... People in that camp might be more likely to float around to different theaters or maybe right. maybe a handful of theaters, relatively speaking, in the area in which they're comfortable trying to get to, whereas others mm-hmm. maybe are more focused on one particular theater. And probably those people are more involved to get specifically or more likely to get specifically involved with kind of right. the operational aspects of that theater. Right. And then I think once you do get in, like for us, you know, once you do get involved in the operational aspect of it, then you become invested in it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and you want to see it, see it succeed. So then you're going to audition there if it's something that, that they want to do. But if not, like if I'm not auditioning, I'm doing something behind the scenes. Yeah. 
anyway, so yeah. I kind well, of admit, nice. sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it's, it's nice that some actors do travel around because that provides a variety for our audiences. Yeah. They're not seeing the same 10 people on stage in every show. And that can happen. Or, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or different directors bring different visions and, mm -hmm. you know, do something different with the space. And it's, it's good for everyone involved to have that variety. But then there is that nicety in having a routine and a structure. Um, so you do, I think, need both. Mm -hmm. um, well, it sort of, I was going to say it sort of ties into maybe what we talked about a few episodes back with the producing. So there's there's kind of that element of maybe the, the people who are focused more on the creative element, the creative side of it, and maybe those people are less likely to get involved with more of the behind-the-scenes logistical elements of keeping the, the, the particular theater going mm -hmm. uh, versus maybe other people who are possibly more producer-minded, for lack of a better term, who mm -hmm. might be more likely to fall into the camp of uh, sticking to that theater and trying to help keep it up and running, and right. maybe more the community outreach kind of elements, too, as well. Totally. Yeah. And every part of every role of backstage or on stage is, is important, and every theater needs those to be able to keep things going and, and interesting and survive. So it's important that people do what they want it, that they love to be able to keep theater alive and going wherever mm -hmm. it is. See, it gets kind of tricky for me because, you know, at this point, like I said, I do consider Barley Sheaf my home and I want to be able to support as much as I can. But given my, my schedule and my wife's schedule and my son's schedule and trying to coordinate all of that, I don't have the time to commit that I would want to. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I was scheduled to direct this year knowing, okay, well, my wife's willing to support me. My son's going, starting to, to go to school and stuff. And then my wife changed jobs and is working further away and the pandemic. So my son is home once a week. And, you know, luckily the shows were canceled anyway, but had they not been canceled, I'm not sure I still would have been able to direct. And now mm -hmm. going into next year, I don't know what the situation's going to be. And while they're gearing up to vote on their next season and soliciting directors and stuff, I'm still weighing my options. And I don't know at this point if I'm going to be able to put into direct and I can't dedicate the time to know that I'll be able to serve on the board and certain projects that have to be done at the theater. I never know if I'm going to have time to do that or not. And it's really tough because I feel somewhat like I'm not contributing as much as I should be to having a home theater, if that makes any sense. So I think that a lot of people have that same family life, work, and mm. hobby balancing act. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if you reach out to certain people, there are ways that you can support. Um, I recently had a um, Barley Sheaf subscriber talk to me and say she would like to help a little bit more, but doesn't have a whole lot of time. But she said to me, if you have one important phone call that you need me to make, whether it's to a donor or a business that you want to do something with, tell me and I'll make that phone call for you and any follow-ups that need to happen. Hmm. So the board has that little nugget of, if we have an important call that we need made, we've got a person who will do it. Mm -hmm. So like there are ways that you could do just a little something 
but without like reaching out, you you might not know. So reach yeah. out. And I mean, I, I also felt like I was doing that where I was doing the logos and I was doing oh, yeah. the videos yeah. and stuff. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, now that's some, now somebody else is doing that. Because I was like having a talk with uh, um, who was doing the publicity at the time and going, you know, I don't know how much longer I can do this pro bono for free because this is starting to become my actual job. And I had a little bit of a discussion going back and forth with that. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, now we have somebody else. Like, okay. I, I didn't know that I was going to necessarily have to be like, I must be paid to do this, but mm -hmm. it was taken away. So, which is fine. And I mean, you know, I, it's not like when I started doing it, I thought I was going to be doing that forever, but like the videos, which I was doing promotional videos and I, I loved doing that. But again, the publicity person changed. I didn't mm. know the new publicity person, so they weren't working with me. And then that's something that went by the wayside. And to to the theater's credit and my detriment, I should be contacting and going, hey, I'd love to still do those videos if you need somebody to, to take care of that. And, you know, I don't think anyone does videos. Nope. Nobody has been. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I'm the only one that's done that. I I, yeah. I don't even know if anybody can access the uh, the yeah. theater's YouTube account at this point. <laughs> You've been downsized, you, you, Glenn. Yeah, you did you did great videos. I don't know why that stopped. And I, that well, stopped the because the, uh, the 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 publicity chair PR changed. person. Yeah, because yeah. she used to contact me all the time to do those, and I was like, yeah, sure. So presumably, yeah. new publicity chair just did not want to do videos or didn't think of it, or, or didn't or know that didn't I was know doing or something. Them. Yeah, yeah. So I, I should be contacting, and I guess anybody that's involved with these theaters and does want to be more uh, of a contributor should be contacting. And I guess saying that my feeling is like that, well, yeah, I mean, I am feeling that way, but I'm not exactly making the effort to put right. in the work and right. say, hey, I can do this. It's interesting that you say that, uh, Glenn, that, you know, you just have to reach out, mm -hmm. right? And And that, I think, is what happens a lot with community theater, because... There is that foundation group of people, but then when you have like a PR person changes or, some, or something like that, and maybe the, not every bit of knowledge transferred because we're a community theater and we're not, you know, a... We're all volunteers. We're all volunteers. Right. It's not a... There isn't like probably a, 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 a PR Bible, even though there really should be, that, that goes through all that stuff so that when a knowledge transfer happens, some things get missed, Right. Yeah. And so you get a new person who also has their own their own life and schedule and maybe they don't they just didn't think about that. And that's really interesting because I had no idea that you for your example, you know, that mm -hmm. you weren't contacted for videos anymore. So I think that's like a that's a situation like you're saying if you, you know, folks out there are feeling like, well, I'm not I'm not getting contacted, it may not have anything to do with the fact that you're not that, that they don't want you to be that person to do that. They just don't know that just you were that can. person yeah. right. or that you do have that desire. Well, the other, so. and, and it goes the other way sometimes too. Interestingly, if there's somebody that's just been doing something for so long, they don't think, they just think, oh, well, that's just getting done. Like the, like Barley Sheep's website at this point. I mean, is, is that not still the same person technically in charge of that, even though is he even a member anymore? I don't right. want to start naming names. And I know yeah. like with Forge, when I kind of moved away from Forge, I continued being in charge of their website for a very long time. And I was doing their newsletter, their member newsletter I did for like two years without being a member. Mm -hmm. So just because 
well, that's who does the newsletter. And they Mm -hmm. just didn't think to be like, hey, you know, maybe we should have somebody who's actually a member do this because they might know what to put in there. It's all very weird. Like if if you've been doing something and are no longer doing it, they just might not know about it. And if you're still doing something and don't want to, you also need to speak up. Right. I'm not yeah. good at speaking up, clearly. <laughs> I think it raises a good point, though, that and this is going back to your earlier statements, Glenn, the fact that hmm. doing a particular show, for instance, can be a huge commitment. And depending on whatever else is going on in your life, you may not feel that you can do it justice. But there are still these so many little roles to play to fill mm-hmm. in where you can still contribute to the ongoing operation and success of the theater. and Or maybe, an individual show. Or an individual show, or maybe yeah. multiple shows, and maybe some of these kinds of roles are things that don't have the level of visibility that we think they should, or maybe not everybody's aware of people doing them. So they're sort of the unsung heroes, as it were, of community theater, in a way, that these kinds of puzzle that pieces all lot. fit together, but nobody really fully understands the full puzzle. <laughs> It's yeah, true. it's true. And I mean, as much as you might try to recognize everybody that's involved, it's just it never happens because there are people that just go under the radar and do these things that are fantastic for a show or for a theater and just nobody ever knows about it. And you take it for granted. I mean, one of the things I always point out with shows, and I know both Kevin and Jim are familiar with this, is the importance of a really good sound designer can make such a huge difference in a show. And so many directors and, and, and such don't even think about that, don't even think about what a really good sound design can do for a show. Mm-hmm. Dracula is the one that, that always comes to mind, and I know we've talked about this multiple times, where you know I had this vision of background music running through almost the entire show, and Jim put together the soundtrack, and, as well as, I mean, how many sound cues were there in there? 30-something at least? I lost count. So there had to be like uh, two uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> 30, 30 sound cues. Uh, uh. Well so we done. had to have these like two different sources of sound going, one with the music, one with the sound effects, so that we had to have a dedicated person running just sound that mm-hmm. could not be the same person as lights, just because there's all of this stuff going on. And I know I got a lot of comments about how good the sound was and how cinematic it was and all of this, but was Jim ever credited for that? I mean, yeah, you were in the program. Yeah, I, I would say you did it. For True West, when you wrote and, wrote and recorded original music for it, I certainly made a point of, of calling you out for that. But yeah, it makes a difference. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I guess if you know this, you got to make a point of really appreciating those individual people. I guess right. I wasn't really thinking as much about crew members or backstage mm, yeah, members yeah. of a particular show. I was, I was more thinking about the, the little... The, the gears and the cogs within the whole community theater machine that keep it going that maybe not everybody fully realizes are there. Like the person right, like who stuck the toilet person. paper, right? Yes, I was just <laughs> yeah. going to say that. Our person who did that for years just retired from that job, and yeah. we had to find a new person to buy our toilet paper and cleaning supplies. Or managing the logistics of, okay, the show's about to open. We get somebody in to do housekeeping or cleaning the theater before the show yeah. opens. Yeah. Or the person Barley who does Sheaf the cleaning. Where Barley Sheaf is currently looking for someone to do our yard maintenance because that person retired too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I mean, there's we don't so have much, much of a yard, but it has to be maintained. Mm-hmm. There's just so many little things that you don't think about that go into mm-hmm. maintaining the building, maintaining the property, as well as just the shows themselves. And so many people, 
uh, at least you hope so many people in the audience are just coming in and see these shows and see all of this stuff, but don't really consider everything that goes into it. And I think there's maybe an opportunity that these kinds of positions or roles could be presented out to maybe patrons or just brought up at uh, mm-hmm. performances to say, hey, we're always looking for people to get involved and help out here and there. Even if you do not want to set foot on this stage, there's always right. something you can do if you want to to help keep us going. And opening that up to you know many hands like make light work sort of a scenario could be helpful a lot. Yeah, totally. At the, at the same time, personally, like if I'm going to be involved with a show, like I never really like, say, running lights because, yeah, I'm sure I'm capable of it because most of the time it's just hitting a button repeatedly. But I never feel like I'm part of the show. I don't I always, always feel somewhat separate. I feel like that sometimes when I direct as well, that like I really want to bond and like have a good time while I'm there. And that's I, tough. I understand that. And. Occasionally, I've been in situations, especially with running the soundboard or running mics, what have you, where, yeah, it's kind of just get in, get out, do your job. But at least it's kind of a it's not an extensive commitment. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can you're just giving a few weekends of your time for the most part. And it depends what you're looking for, I guess. I guess that's true. I think because I have less time, I want more out of it. (laughs) (laughs) I've, I've really enjoyed the shows where I have done sound design and run the board, because then you're taking your, like Glenn and I, Glenn was in a show called The God Committee, Mm -hmm. and it had very extensive sound, but only because we wanted to make it as naturalistic as possible. So there's a a moment that the show starts with basically a a conference call, and uh, there's all these people around a board meeting, and... um, and, and a heart transplant is coming in, and this group has to decide who gets the heart transplant. Right. And that's kind of what the whole you know, theme of the show is about. <laughs> and we didn't have the ability to really call into that conference call and do a live person on the other end of the phone. So I played Dr. Felker <laughs> as the sound designer also. So I created this awesome sound suite, and Glenn loaned me this refracting speaker that he had that you could screw into something and then it would mm-hmm. use the reverberation. We use that from, in Dracula too. Yeah. Yep. yeah, And it, it was amazing. So I was in the booth and because Barley Sheaf is not super technical, um, I had an iPad, an iPod, and a computer all hooked up to the mixing board to mm-hmm. do sound effects in different areas of the stage. So I was, I recorded my dialogue complete with like a helicopter behind, you know, behind my voice and then a phone static and all these different layers to create this doctor flying a, flying a heart in on a helicopter. And I'm interacting with the people on stage. They're talking to the speakerphone that was on the conference table. Underneath the conference table is the speaker that's mounted, you know, and I'm pressing buttons to do my dialogue. You were all pre-recorded, you said, right? Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. So like that, that kind of stuff is just really, it's super satisfying, but like you said, I mean, it was a, it was a bit of a commitment because of, to create the effects, yeah. Sure, yeah. but, but like from an overall time commitment, it was not anywhere right. close, mar- you know, even close to, you didn't have to, to be in to rehearsals in for months. Show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. See, I think I could appreciate um, that sort of thing or like a prop designer thing, but I guess mm-hmm. that's another case of people don't know that I would be willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I think in those situations, you just 
kind of have to find a way to get your name out there to say, hey, right. if you're... Yeah. And I've tried to do this at times with other productions. Hey, uh, for example, I auditioned for a show before the pandemic, and I did not get cast in the show, but I said, hey, if you need help with doing whatever, I'm throwing it out there that I would like to help because the show in particular kind of meant something to me at a personal level, so I really wanted to try to contribute to it in some way. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just threw my name out there to say, hey, I'm willing to do whatever. Here are a couple ideas that I could suggest as far as ways I could contribute, depending on what you need or what you want. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, you kind of have to blow your own trumpet a little bit, maybe. Yeah. I guess it all comes down to time, the time you're willing to put in to get your name out there, the time that you're willing to put in to contribute to whatever it is you're contributing to and the time that you have to record a podcast. And I think that time Indeed. is coming to an end. Oh, no. <laughs> I Subtle, figured huh? that's where this was going. Yeah, I could see that coming a mile away. So I feel like we could talk like another hour, but unfortunately I do have familial commitments. So I think of we course. need to wrap up this round table. Uh, even though I don't think any of us is actually at a round table, but hey. Nope. Uh, <laughs> no, but it is almost night. Yes. Uh, night at the round table. Nights there the round you table. go. Yes, that's where that joke came <laughs> yeah. from. On that note, if you have any comments or questions or episode ideas or complaints about Kevin's bad jokes, you can contact <laughs> yeah. us uh, by visiting our website backstage.link and clicking on Contact the Show. No more bad jokes! <laughs> uh, you could also leave a voicemail or text message. We seem to be falling into role plays here. You talk about the website. I talk about the phone number. So you can call us at 267-225-8869. That number again, 267-225-8869. And if you now, leave us a voicemail, you uh, you might end up on the show. And now he's stealing my lines. Yeah, but, but if you can take the next one. But if you've enjoyed the show <laughs> for as many episodes as we might have left, please subscribe <laughs> if you haven't already. Leave a review. Tell Tell your friends about us. Tell two friends. And even though we might be having a limited number of episodes coming up, we still have plenty of uh, backlog of episodes to listen to to catch up on if you haven't joined us yet. That's true. And and as we've said before, you know, if, if we get enough people begging us to continue the show, who knows? We're not like, you know, we're only like 99% committed to stopping <laughs> at 100 episodes. <laughs> we're not entirely unwell. Who knows? I mean, hopefully the pandemic will be over by the time we hit that 100th episode and we'll be like, hey, we got another 100 in us. Who knows? <laughs> really? <laughs> really? In what universe maybe. do you imagine that happening? Maybe. And uh, <laughs> maybe there might be another podcast coming soon to the Backstage Network. But uh, I was going to say, if we continue another uh, 100 episodes, I think we need a lot more guests. Like yeah. the guests we had today, Kevin and Christine, thank you yes. once again for joining us. Thank you You're for having welcome. us. You're very welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. It was a pleasure having you. So we'll be back again in uh, a week or six. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We don't even know. We don't know at this point. We've probably covered at least, you know, probably more than a month worth in this uh, one recording session. So it may be a little while before we get back into this. But uh, meanwhile, until we do, I will remain Glenn. Will you? Really? Uh, Do I have a choice? All right. (laughs) And I guess I'll stay Jim then in that case. Okay. And thank you for joining us backstage. We'll see you next time, whenever that is. Bye-bye. If there is a next time.
say welcome to the backstage show? Welcome to the backstage show. <laughs> Good job. There's a lot to cut out. There's the, like the first ouch. 10 minutes and then there's, I don't know. <laughs> what? I said, ouch. <laughs> yeah, we have to cut out all of Kevin's lines. So that yep. will really, you know. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> now that's going to make a great outtake. Are we all recording? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I'll get you, Gadget, next time. Should I write that next to History of Swearing? You should. <laughs> Cello Inspector Gadget. I think her name is Samara Ginsberg or something similar. Okay. You make it. It's sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, Drew. I was just going to say, you make a good point that... Hey, can I... I want to interrupt you just for a second. Yeah. I was just going to say that, but... Blah, blah, blah. Now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. Um, all right, hold on, hold on. <laughs> okay. Are you going to make me put effects and echo on that now? Oh, wow. I, I, I clipped in here. What the heck did I clip with? No, I've clipped a couple times. That's, that's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I can do about it if you clipped. I can't unclip you.